I'm Claire Burgum. I'm Bruce Harwood. And you are listening to Small Talk, a Media Kitchen podcast. Um, today, we are going to be doing a little bit of a spin on one of the things that we covered in a previous episode, the Internet of Things, and we will be talking about the Internet of Small Things or the Internet of Thin Things, um, expanding on that idea a little bit, um, but we'll get into that later. Today, we have we are very excited because we have three special guests on the episode, and they are a bit of um, heavy hitters in the tech community. They've come from various backgrounds, including tech reporting, um, VC. We have um, some people that have background in the tech startup world, uh, Jennifer Kite-Powell, Josh Engroff, and Jessica Peltz, but I will let them introduce themselves during our um, our intro, uh, in my opinion, um, segment, which I will kick off now. <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome. Thank you. Um, Thanks. Excited to be here. Good. Okay. Um, so, in my opinion, I am going to bring up an interview that I think is um, particularly relevant for the, t- the topic that we're going to be covering today. And it was an interview that Louis C.K. gave on Conan O'Brien um, titled, Everything's Amazing and Nobody's Happy. And um, <laughs> as you guys know, Louis C.K. is a bit of a cynical opinion about everything. Um, But kind of what he says is that we live in a time of these amazing advancements in technology and it's kind of wasted on people who have little to no perspective on how amazing technology is. And um, he kind of goes on and on about that. Uh, And I think it's just important to keep that idea in mind as we discuss, um, you know, the Internet of Small Things and some of these really amazing products that we're going to be uh, critiquing over the next half an hour or so. Do you feel that we now, in the 21st century, we take technology for granted? Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the, on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots <laughs> that don't care, because this is what people are like now. They got their phone, and they're like, ugh, it won't... Give it a second! Give it, it's going to space! Can you give it a second to get back from space? Every time he's on one of these shows, he completely hits it out of the park, and he oh, does yeah. something really interesting, and it's not... I find late-night TV to be kind of boring because it's a lot of just interviewing whatever movie or TV show they're promoting, but he actually thinks about what he wants to talk about and comes prepared to talk about something really interesting. Yeah, he does a good job. He, look, he looks at things from, um, from a different perspective. A realistic point of view, too. Yeah, yes. into perspective. Yes, yeah. yeah, definitely. So everything's amazing and nobody's happy. Louis C.K. interview, Conan O'Brien, check it out when you get a chance. Love it. Uh, so mine should be uh, short but quick. I've been wanting to make this my in my opinion for the past couple weeks because it was actually released about a month ago, but um, I, I haven't. But this week I'm definitely going to. It's called SimpsonsWorld.com, and if you've been to SimpsonsWorld.com, it's wait. Does that have anything to do with Tapped Out? The most amazingly addictive app ever. Is that really good? I've never downloaded it, but... Don't, but if you want oh. to still have time to do anything else. Oh, it's that good. <laughs> really? Yes. Well, this is another uh, huge time suck. Basically, what they did is they posted every single episode of The Simpsons on SimpsonsWorld.com. So even if you're kind of a casual fan like mine, you really get immersed. Uh, and what they've done is not just post every episode, but they've uh, created really interesting ways that you can search for the episodes. Like, you can search by character. And one of my favorite characters is Dr. Nick, who's kind of like the crazy doctor. And so I searched for Dr. Nick, and every single episode with Dr. Nick in it came up and you could watch. And so uh, I had to go through and watch every. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, Hi Dr. Dr. Nick. Nick. 
Dr. Nick, this malpractice committee has received a few complaints against you. Of the 160 gravest charges, the most troubling are performing major operations with a knife and fork from a seafood restaurant. But I cleaned them with my napkin. The other thing, because winter is coming, I uh, searched for the Mr. Sl uh, Mr. Plow. Uh, uh, <laughs> also a classic episode. Yeah, which is one of the best episodes. And I feel like it's not truly winter until I've seen that episode. Oh, Mr. Plow. That's my name, that name again is Mr. Plow. Uh, and so I got to check that off my list on Simpsons World. And so uh, everyone should uh, uh, log on and check it out, even if you're just kind of a, a small Simpsons fan. Simpsons is one of the, or the longest running mm -hmm. TV show that's still mm -hmm. on air, right? Yeah. yeah. Something like Old 600 school. episodes or Never episodes, something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's definitely, I mean, if you go back to the older episodes, I feel like they are a little bit better than the current episodes, but it's still pretty strong. It's still a strong show, and the yeah. fact that it's been on the air for... Yeah, like 26, 26 years, years or something, yeah. something ridiculous uh, is, is pretty amazing. Wow. So, Tough act. Yeah, oh. yeah, in my opinion, I'm going to string it all together here. This Ooh. is Jennifer Hyde Powell. <laughs> I'm going to string it all together. In my opinion, everyone should get off Facebook, which I did a year ago and I've had a life. But in my other opinion, with your <laughs> point about everything's awesome but we're not happy, Mm -hmm. Is that what it is? Yes. And The Simpsons and Tapped Out Ooh. is this. Aldous Huxley said, and here's my favorite, said that we were going to totally let ourselves be absorbed and addicted to this technology and be very happy to have it wash over us and sit back. And here I'm listening to all of us talking about all these things that are absorbed that probably we live our lives with but we don't actually need, but we have to have them versus Orwell who said we're going to reject it all. Ooh. Hmm. So we took Huxley's mode when he said we're going to be happy to sit back and be addicted to all this technology that's coming our way. And he said that like 50 years ago. Interesting. I think is really cool. interesting. Yeah. We and also, by the way, love small devices and wearables. So on that note. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Also a tough tech to follow. Uh, I'm Jessica Peltz. I'm with KBS Ventures. And in my opinion, also potentially kind of sort of but not really tying all together, <laughs> Uh, in my opinion, Springwise is the best blog for entrepreneurial inspiration from around the world. So anytime you guys are looking for a fix on something around um, pretty much any, anything you can imagine that having some sort of technology use case and application, um, but really just the depth of creative ideas that come out of that blog, I think is just fantastic. And oh, the, these bloggers have send reporters to these different locations, or they have people that blog for them from these locations? Uh, I'm not sure where the journalism comes from, but um, it's a collection of inventions from around the world, hmm. which is so pretty cool. cool. Very cool. Very cool. I'm... <laughs> Josh Ingram. <laughs> I was going to do a Russian accent. No, not allowed. I wouldn't allow it. Dumpty sat on wall. Dumpty Dumpty have great fall. He looked at his smartwatch and he realized <laughs> oh, yeah, it's he had biosensors in Someone, so he couldn't actually fall. I'm uh, Josh of KBS Ventures and the Media Kitchen. Um, I don't think anyone is going to reject technology ent entirely like Orwell thought we should, but yeah. it does... Um, it's a very fruitful exercise to stop, like the Louis C.K. example, mm -hmm. which is actually what I was going to use, too, because it's yeah, such a great true. piece when he says, yeah, the guy next to me in the plane didn't oh. realize 30 seconds ago that there was Wi-Fi in the plane that even existed, and now he's complaining that it's too slow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, all been, exactly. we've all become accustomed to the rapid change of technology pace, and I can remember a time when, before the Internet, not many people I work with can. Um, I can. But where things didn't seem to change so fast. You can see electronics with Sony and things were happening, but... It, you got to kind of back up and, and mm -hmm. look around and then take stock of it because otherwise you do become um, 
you become immersed in a way that isn't necessarily fruitful. The right. people mm -hmm. staring at their phones mm -hmm. all the time and not sort of um, realizing that this this other stuff going people on. people in the room. Yeah, that so I've taken to um, going the other direction, like kind of like you, you said, um, Jennifer. I um, I read print books whenever possible. I don't even own a Kindle. I've given three away. Give, have, for have, Forbes, people give me these things all the time to try them out, and I end up giving them all away. Oh, really? So I came on this trip from London from last night and arrived here with three books. Three books in my bag. Now, that's is a that, commitment. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, yeah. is it because you actually prefer reading a, a paper book, or is it the rejection of technology? Is it? Is it it's not you, the rejection yeah, of technology. It's not, it's, I prefer the physical... Um, not when I'm traveling, actually. But I mean, <laughs> that's weaker. No. I generally prefer the physical characteristics of a book. Um, one, you can tell from a physical assessment of the, where the bookmark is and mm. an actual book where you are. Right. Easier to go back and forth. Um, there's something tactile about it, which is which is mirrors the way I learned to read when I was a kid. And Mike, I have kids too, so part of it's also mm -hmm. a didactic thing where. I don't want them to see. We have four iPads at home and three mm. Kindles, which was obscene. <laughs> but, um, Compared to how many people? What's your? We have four people. Your We have more devices than people by far. <laughs> <laughs> um, Especially we have a dog. added smartphones. Yeah, we have way too many smartphones. But um, the dog has a tablet. I don't want my kids oh, to think, when they see me on, looking at an iPad, thinking I could be doing something else. Like a book is, is unimodal. It's got one thing you can mm. do with it. You can read it. Yeah. You can write on it, but. You can't you can't browse the internet in it yet. Although mm. we'll talk about that later. Um, so if my kids see me on an iPad, I could be doing anything, playing you know Angry Birds or whatever, or Minecraft, yeah. which is what I'm doing on an iPad. <laughs> right. um, so that's not Candy Crush. Um, and by one of, the, one of the best books to read if you're looking for the way the past imagined the future mm. is um, I'm rereading Neil Stevenson's The Diamond Age, which is a completely fascinating, pretty pretty still ahead of us where we are now, but pretty fascinating, well well wrought narrative. Um, about the future and, and nanotech and small things. Is great, it great, fiction great. or non -fiction? Non -fiction. non fiction? Interesting. Hmm. Science fiction. Uh, all right. Okay. So, oh, very cool. Thanks, everybody. Um, okay, so let's kick it off. Talk about um, the Internet of Small Things, Internet of thin, thin Things. And I think the first thing that we wanted to talk about was um, luxury wearables. So we've touched on this a little bit of before <laughs> with the concept of Ringly, but um, yeah, Jennifer, if you wanted to kick oh, us off. Oh my, you know, two, la earlier this, sorry about the clapping, <laughs> earlier, earlier this year at Mobile World Congress, I was covering the show for Forbes and I that was asked specifically to cover wearables and I said, oh, really? Because there's going to be really ugly watches, yeah. and they're all going to look like Star Trek, you know, beam me up Scotty type things. <laughs> and then I started looking at them, and I saw Pebble, and then a Qualcomm had come out with Talk, which we could talk about later, I had to say that. And then there was a small company in Finland who worked with a lot of designers who came up with a watch, a smart watch, um, called the Ebis. And that was in, in February of this year. Absolutely stunning piece of jewelry. Silver plated, very curvy, very shaped with birds in flight, long, beautiful watch. It is a bird, right? It's, 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 yeah, it's, yeah, it's inspired yeah. by Yeah, it's inspired right? by yeah. birds. And then you look at the Qualcomm top, talk, and then you looked at you know Samsung's watch. And just today, for instance, Asus came out with their Zen watch, mm. right? And so you still look at all these watches, and then you see, and then Ringley, and then the bra there's a bracelet, Rinka, I think her name is Rina Minkoff, during Rebecca, New, yeah, Rebecca, like bad with names, and she has this bracelet she was going to release for the U.S. Open. So you're seeing like this clunky, still smartwatch, sporty watching thing, and then the slow movement over to luxury type watches. And so where the the divide in that is. 
people are rushing to buy these because they're cool and trendy, but people aren't actually moving towards these luxury smartwatches because maybe they're too expensive or because they look like they're not going to be as functional as these sturdy Star Trek watches. Right. So my, my biggest concern about this whole market is where's going to be the, the mass market consumption around mm-hmm. these? Because women... Oddly, on most of the buying power and consumer devices, something Especially like... Especially for se- accessories, It's probably. for accessories. Seven trillion, they're predicting next year, for women to... They buy most consumer-type mm-hmm. goods. Seven trillion. So if they're the ones buying, what are they... Per- are they going to be purchasing a smartwatch mm-hmm. that's beautiful and pretty? Or are they going to be buying the top for their husband or their boyfriend? That's a great point. And they, and they want them to look good. And they want, they want them to look good. To look well, that's, that's, the, that, that's, that's the key distinction. People, people look at the Apple Watch and say, or what, what they see of it, because it's not out yet, <laughs> and say, oh, well, what do the Swiss, Swiss, Swiss watchmakers think about this? And that's a mistake. It's not, exactly. Apple Watch is not a watch in exactly. the way that, that, a, that a Panerai's a watch. It's, it's a new kind of device that's now on your wrist. It's exactly right. Mm-hmm. It's a phone on your wrist that also tells time. Oh, I'm going to disagree. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you. I think they need to go back to what made a watch a watch. You know, you wear a watch because you, you don't wear a watch anymore just to tell time. You wear a watch because it's kind of like a reflection of who you are. And, yeah, I mean, it's it's it tells people something about you. That's why you, that's why you wear How all... How many watches do you have? Do you own? Just he the one. He owns multiple bands for that watch, though. That is true. It's a very nice watch. It was, it's a very nice watch. It was watch. my birthday present myself last year. No, it's, it's something <laughs> you wear. It has to be intimate. You have to like yeah, its heft right. and weight and it's the weave and the fabric. And so the don't finish. you have to... That's important. But it, it doesn't have to compete against Patek Philippe. It's got... It's, it's a, it's an it's got an operating system in its core, so it's mm. a platform for new kinds of interactions right. with the human being is wearing it. It's got to look lovely. Yeah, Google Glass didn't succeed because mm-hmm. it looks like right. But this, in my opinion, but the Apple Watch, because it's so interchangeable with so many band styles and so many faceplate styles, like a it swatch, is, mm-hmm. like a swatch, yeah. but it's got real intelligence built into it. It's a different kind of thing than a, than just a watch, right? I, it, it, it makes that it's the sensory tactile component of it being attractive and nice to wear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's is there. Um, it, but it's got this whole other dimension. We don't even know mm-hmm. what's going to happen with that yet. Right. It's a very intimate kind of device. I was I was watching um, some of the product videos that they have for the watch on Apple's mm-hmm. website, and uh, I was it's it is beautiful. It's well, a beautiful they're device. They're good at that. They're, they're good at great. that. It looks beautiful. And right. the, whoever was narrating the video, they did a great job. I don't know if anyone knows who's narrating it. He's got a great accent, and I was very like mesmerized <laughs> into thinking, oh, it's beautiful. We've designed a range of products so personal. You don't put them on your desk or in your pocket. You wear them on your wrist. We conceived, designed and developed Apple Watch as a completely singular product. You know, you can't determine a boundary between the physical object and the software. I think that's John Ivey. Yeah, I think I, that's I, the creator, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, good thing that they had him narrated then. Because, <laughs> uh, but I kind of st- took a step back and I said, like, I don't, I don't know if I could actually picture myself wearing it and still take myself seriously. Exactly. I, you know, it kind yeah, of made me think of that Well, and would you wear it as a replacement to your normal watch? Like, that's the other thing. Nobody's do you wear walk a around with two devices? But, but this, this is where backing up and looking at history is a little helpful because... And I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing Ben Evans, who we, we, we like a lot um, mm. in terms of how he thinks about mobile, but if you, if you tell people, young people today that um, in the mid-90s, most people thought mobile phones were an expensive niche product without any mass market potential. Huh. Mm-hmm. That's what most people thought. Wow. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't believe you. And that's what we're having. That's, that's what we're true. struggling. Do you want to wear a watch? Yeah, well, well, why not? I mean, as soon as it becomes useful and, and interesting in ways that we can't foresee yet, which it probably yeah. will, 
Yeah. Then yeah, the, the the stigma of wearing something that looks a little different is going to bad. No one's going to care. But after yeah. the mobile phone became sort of ubiquitous, where we're all connected to it, and the next billion users that are going to come online in the world are actually going to be just mobile users. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When that phone became ubiquitous, then people the watch sales plummeted. Yeah. Right. There was that whole thing about what, but luxury watch sales did not. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the interesting things we didn't touch on yet, but maybe it's a good good time is um is to think about like we're in the media business. We think about media increasingly in, in digital. Sort of, and also fragmented multi-device ways. Mm. But we, we've seen some companies lately, one in particular called Novalia, who's doing some things to reinvigorate in a pretty stunning way, old media, and, and in particular paper. So you can do things now with conductive ink, small uh, chips, and um, conducive touch pads, I guess, but mm. I don't know the terminology totally. But where you take ordinary paper, and it can be, the manufacturing process is pretty straightforward, where you, you can, it's not easy, they've got 15 patents already already granted at 15 more in the queue. Um, very IP heavy company, but you can print, you can make posters, sort of the two-dimensional version of it is you make posters highly interactive with other sensory experiences. So you touch a poster and it plays music. You have the posters printed to look like a guitar, it actually plays chords like a guitar. Wow. Um, yeah. But even more interesting is it can, it can, that experience can connect through Bluetooth low energy to your phone. And you can actually, through a Moleskine notebook with a, with a play button that's written in conductive ink on the notebook, just like this paper, you yeah. can actually control the you control the, the music player yeah. on your phone. It's pretty mind mind And that stuff. whole point about the low, the low Bluetooth energy yeah. is really big because there's all those different standards coming out now about which is the best, which has the lowest bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Because to connect all these devices, you don't need something that's going to drain the battery life out of things. Right. Right. Low power. Low power. Yeah. I mean, think about like a magazines. Magazines haven't literally haven't changed in a hundred years in terms of their mm-hmm. basic format. That's it's true. paper. They have, it's, it's the full, you know, full four color process. It's certain kinds of paper, paper stock size, glossiness, mm-hmm, and matte. And mm-hmm. it, but it essentially is unchanged as a as a format. If you could make um, the the same same paper stock be able to do things like have it flip up in a vertical gatefold and so shine true. a light on the content you're reading when it's dark. That's so true. Through these very very thin LEDs yeah. that are that are charred. I mean, that's just a whole new way of experiencing. Um, a medium is not going to go away. I don't right. think paper is going away yeah. entirely. Do you subscribe? How many magazines do you subscribe to? Uh, I subscribe to one. Which one? The Week, which I love. It's the best oh, clip. In my opinion, it is the best <laughs> yeah. clip notes to sounding smart. Right. What about, let's go around. Economists. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't think I subscribe to any. Zero, but I'm on a lot of comp lists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I got the Economist comp, but um, and pop, Yeah, what do you subscribe to? Mechanics. Oh, New Yorker. Oh, that's so great. You know one thing that's really interesting about The New Yorker? So Condé Nast, a couple years ago, said, we're going to have all of our content go digital. So all of our magazines are going to be uh, digitally uh, focused within the next couple of years. And so they focused on Wired, thinking that Wired readers were going to be the first one to adopt it. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. By far, the biggest adoption rate was The New Yorker, which mm-hmm. is so mm-hmm. surprising because... Was it surprising, though? I didn't think Well, because all, of all the readership, The New Yorker definitely has the oldest skewing yes. readers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so it's so funny yes. that they were the ones who embrace it, whereas the Wired readers wanted to keep right. their actual magazine. That is, I think, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but the highest, fastest growing group on Twitter and Facebook is 45 and up. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But is that because everybody who's younger is already on it? <laughs> well, Mom and could, just Snapchat, it could be, but as someone that... Yeah, they're Snapchatting now. No, I, I just think it's... I mean, you can't dismiss that group. They have disposable income. It's the silver economy. They have time to spend. They're bored, yeah. they're bored to death with each other. You know, it's all done. 
but also Forbes, I have to say that they've made a really great effort to, to really digitize yeah. Forbes yeah. without being behind a paywall. Yeah. So I think that they've done, and that they have really good readership there. Again, it's different audience. Yeah. So that's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my point was more so how magazines have expanded their brand outside of just the print model. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. So we have to wrap up in a couple minutes, but before we end, I do want to um, quickly, Jennifer, can you uh, just kind of walk us through what the past year has been like without Facebook and what your <laughs> pre- because because look, I've said yes, many times on this podcast that I'm not a huge Facebook fan, and so Bruce I've, is I've, wavering on the fence. Well, I've, I've never gone cold. I've gone many times about deleting my account, and I want to so badly. Okay. And so push me over the edge. Okay, I will tell you, yeah. it took me a year. I wanted to so badly, right? right. And I, I'm getting off Facebook. And I didn't. And then, actually, it was last year about this time. I just had it. Yeah. Did something I, trigger that? Moment? I just the constant intervention with, your yeah, <laughs> with my family. Yeah. No, I guess. Honestly, it's a safe room, right? This is a safe room. We're uh, in a trust room. Just the just the sheer judge the judgment type, constantly keeping up, feeling right. like watching what you say or not what you say, and then people. I just felt drained by it. Honest, I felt like everywhere I'd go, you not so connected with human yeah. beings on the planet. And so I spent the weekend, I'm telling you, <clears throat> deleting my photographs and all of my albums and moving them onto Flickr because you can't just do one hit delete. You have to do photo by photo by photo mm-hmm. by photo. A lot of photos. That must have been a fun walk down it was, memory lane. It was a walk. Some of yeah, it was a fun walk down memory lane. Laughing or crying. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly like, why would I even put that up there? Yeah. And can I'll, I just say that's great because Flickr is a far better photo Flickr, sharing. Flickr is setting. phenomenal. Yeah. Heather Facebook Champ is not good for did, photo sharing. No, it's not. It's awful. It was, yeah. I mean, but I think Heather Champ, what she did with Flickr originally was just fantastic. So then, day one, you want to know what day one was like? Yes. Awful. <laughs> uh, I, I, I stopped and I went and I was like, oh, what am I, I don't have anything to do. <laughs> do you feel more productive? I feel so much more productive. I feel like I have better relationships with people. I feel much more interactive. You in a restaurant in the meantime with all your free time? Like you, <laughs> I did. You built a house. <laughs> I did a Cube in like 12 seconds. <laughs> um, I am on Flickr and I am on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm, I'm on Twitter for, for Forbes and then just because I like my tech network and everything. But yeah. I will say that I feel like to be sappy, I have better relationships with people and here's the other thing I found that people that really want to connect with you will versus this sort of Mm -hmm. passive connectivity I took one guy who I thought I was pretty good friends with seven months later so I can't find you on Facebook I'm like (laughs) I've been gone for seven months oh so until they you don't realize how much of a show it is and how I have had people complain we really miss you we should come back now we have to send you an email or call you or text you about what's going on sorry Go see my photos on Flickr. There's my life. Right. Here's my fax number. There's my fax. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah, my yeah. pager number. I, I read an interesting quote somewhere that I actually really liked. They said, Facebook is where you lie to your friends, and Twitter is where you tell strangers the truth. Yes. I think that's, true. that's probably like, so really true. true. I, I feel much true. more less Whisper. censored. Whisper. That's right. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's, that's a sketchy yeah. platform. That's a little sketchy, yeah. Oh, I love the concept of Whisper. Yeah, Social media is Yeah, where no one knows who you are. It's great. I, I there's an Italian one that started the same called Circle Me, but I don't think it's done to one. Yeah. Of course, Path. With the photo? Gorgeous. Oh, wait, not, not Circles, the like, but not based on people. Oh, based, on, based on based um, on things you like. No. Yeah, horoscope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, I like theater. I like music. So people connect to people based on likes, much like Instagram where you'd follow people's photographs. 
A lot of the people, by the way, for your Facebook issue, yeah. jump <laughs> said, well, where are you then? I want to I wanna follow you. So they joined Instagram so they can still see my pictures, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Which is still part of Facebook. And it's still yeah. all part of the family. Yeah. yeah. Keeping so, it in the family. Uh, but it's not that you many. You never really get away. And I did, <laughs> you never really leave. <gasps> just like they pulled me back in. No. Yeah. I've yeah. been that many. Just it's been a few. <laughs> what, is, what is your social network of choice? Aside from, or is it Facebook? Um, like, what's someone's social network you cannot live without? Instagram or Twitter? Yeah. I like uh, looking at Twitter a lot. I always, every time I check Twitter, I always find at least one link to something that I find it's interesting very or cool. Interesting for the long tail of content, I think. Yeah, I find that people on, I'm not on Instagram, but I do find on um, Facebook that people are sharing uh, what their shoes look like or what they <laughs> ate or things that I don't care about. Whereas on what, Twitter, what, they. What's up with pictures of food? Yeah, can we stop, can we stop that? Food porn. Food porn. Just, I don't want to see what you're about to eat. I don't care. Uh, but I find on Twitter that they share something at least a little bit mm. interesting, and so I like that a lot better. I read my news on Twitter, actually. I read a lot of news. Mm-hmm. I follow a lot of news yeah. sites, and I, I find I can be just as angry reading a newspaper now as I can on Twitter. Like, I, too much bad news. Right. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At my um, graduation ceremony, when I graduated from um, Syracuse a couple years ago, the speaker, I don't remember who it was. <laughs> yeah, a couple years ago. <laughs> so the youngin. Um, <laughs> speaker said he like in his speech he said raise your hand if you had found out Osama had been captured by Twitter and everyone who was graduating raised their hand and then um, and everyone kind of looked around and oh yeah that's but, funny but it actually and broke then, first on Twitter yeah that's the point and then he said raise your hand if you found out from you know watching TV and like everyone's parents raised their hands the <laughs> oh, it, cool. like, it was an interesting contrast but yeah it was on Twitter first mm-hmm. they, there was news that broke on Twitter about um, like strange activity that was circling mm. the premise and then something like three or four hours later it broke that wow. and we got cancelled yeah, yeah it's pretty cool well, it's the most real time medium yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a real time news medium it's a, it's a link dump and yeah. it's a new customer service hotline, customer service 3.0. Yeah, right. You think yeah. about got, phones to service call centers to real time. I got free DVR for you a see? year out of Time Warner Cable because yeah. I actually took I took a screenshot that I had been on the phone with customer service for over an hour and I tweeted at Time Warner Cable. Hopefully they're not a client of ours. But and I was like, thanks a lot for this great customer service. But that is good customer great, service. With the, right, right, right. But after the screenshot that I had been on hold and talked to like five different representatives and I tweeted it out and within like 10 minutes, somebody that was local had called me back and was able to get free DVR and I sent a lovely thank you tweet as well. Would you have gotten that service if you had called them or sent them an email? Clearly not. not. Because it's a broadcast because the whole world can see you complaining Mm -hmm. about something. Yeah, absolutely. It makes everyone a journalist. Like the size of my shoes and my my dinner. And your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) What you had for dinner. You're eating kale again? <laughs> I only eat Russian food towards the beginning of the episode. Okay. <laughs> Do you want to bookend it? End it yeah, in a little Russian? It. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I had a wonderful time. Thank you guys for joining. Thank this you, was Bruce. great. Thank, Thank you. Yeah. It was a lot Thanks, of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank Jim Copeland, for the intro and outro music. Perfect. See you next time.